from the pages of the DRaysBay.com blog. Welcome to The Hit Show. Hello, and welcome to The Hit Show. It is June 26, 2017, and there is news. Darby. Uh, yeah, we do. We have uh, fresh news that just broke this, well, actually all morning uh, to afternoon. There's been kind of rumors building. The hot stove is, uh, it, it's it's warming up, uh, I'm sure, for the rest of baseball. Maybe not like they're rushing to their televisions to, to, to be like, oh my God, this move. But it is a... a a sneaky good move that just happened. You know, today. you know. I think we can appreciate that the two teams with fish mascots uh, made sure to to swim around while the water was still cool on the hot stove before things got to a rolling boil, uh, and and the, the the fish was cooked. I don't know. That that was that was a terrible <laughs> metaphor, but we're here to welcome the Adani Echeverria era. <laughs> and, the, and the era of having to learn how to spell that while we write in recaps uh, for at least a half a season. That's going to be fun. That's going to be a nice little fun challenge. It, you know, I, I welcome it. I'm very excited to have him on the roster. Um, he is the 10th Cuban-born raised player, and I think that's to be celebrated in a community that has a, a strong Cuban population, strong Cuban influence uh, for a team that wants to build their stadium in Ybor. Uh that's a topic for another time, but it, it's a really fun thing. But first, I do think it's important to level set, so let's do that right at the beginning. The Tampa Bay Rays are third in the division, two and a half games back from the basically tied New York Yankees and Boston Red Sox. In the games back column, uh, the Yankees and Red Sox are tied. Uh, the Red Sox have one more win, but also one more loss because the Yankees got rained out a lot. It's still balancing out. Uh, the Rays have 40 wins, the Yankees have 40 wins, the Red Sox have 41 wins, and yet Tampa Bay started in the division. Things are weird. But the also incredible news is that uh, the Rays are only two and a half games back, but in the wild card standings, uh, that is uh, one game back overall. Things are very tight in the American League, uh, where I think qualifying for the wild card right now are the Red Sox and Indians, the Rays are one game behind the Indians. And so technically we're not in pole position if the season were in today, but that's okay because the Rays are contenders, which I, you know, that's a, that's the goal every year. And the Rays consider themselves always capable of being contenders. And here we sit on June 26th and the Rays are making moves like a contender does. Correct. Yeah. This is, um, I kind of mentioned this is like a kind of a, a a move that maybe doesn't move the needle for a lot of uh, the rest of the baseball world, uh, but who cares about them? This is a this is a good move for the Rays. It's a it's a move that a contending team makes. Uh, takes superfluous pieces, takes uh, low level minor leaguers, uh, and turns those into solid veteran players uh, who can play in the major leagues. And fills holes, even if they're uh, more minor uh, holes in the team. You're, you're, you're. It's a, it's a long season. You, if you can add like a half a win here, a win there, uh, by filling these holes and pushing down players that were starting for you, uh, then become your bench players. That's a, that's a really good thing. So, yeah, with the Rays kind of right in the middle of a divisional race, 
right in the middle of a wild card race with a whole half season left to go. Um, they went out and got a move to shore up the defense up the middle. And we know that this is a division where things are going to move around. The Rays are two and a half games back, but the Orioles are four games back of the, the division leading Yankees who are in the middle of their own slump right now. And the Blue Jays are only five games back. This is going to continue to be a ridiculous division and every edge matters, particularly when we're coming off a weekend series where Baltimore and Yankees were the two teams in the division that were kind of in a in a slump, a death spiral that you're wondering how long it'll last. And the Rays only picked up one win. It was a big win if you paid attention to Friday's 15 to five demolition. Uh, it was it, it was good fun, but the next two games, uh, the Rays eventually allowed eight runs on Saturday and on Sunday to lose to Baltimore, which is a very uh, bad idea when you plan on contending. Uh, the rest of the uh, the first half leading up to the All Star break, we will see Baltimore again, and we will host the Boston Red Sox for four games um, out of the last something like fourteen games. So we have plenty of division shakeup to go, but. Let's talk about being a contender and and getting a gold glove caliber shortstop. What are your first impressions uh, of the Echeverria acquisition? And also, did you did you believe the rumors? Because I actually did not think this was going to come true. I, I I don't know how much I believe the rumors. This this we are kind of getting into that time once uh once the calendar you know turns over to July. Basically, it, it's a it's a feeding frenzy. Uh, of of Twitter accounts basically saying like, oh, this team is possibly looking at, you know, there's a lot of talk. There's a lot of rumblings. Uh, so I always take, you know, these rumors with a grain of salt. This was a, a bit early and the Rays have been pretty aggressive going out and trying to to do some, you know, minor moves, uh, get, getting, you know, Michael Martinez and uh, Taylor Featherston uh, as ways to kind of, you know, fill in for some injured guys and, give the defense a little boost. Um, so that, so they were clearly, I, I guess I believed it a little bit more because it, it seemed like a raised type of move, uh, in a, in one way, trying to, trying to get a guy that's going to be pretty undervalued, uh, who has most of his value from the defensive side, doesn't bring a huge bat. So the traditional kind of numbers don't jump out at you and say like, Oh, we have to give up a lot to get this guy. Um, but but a but a more legitimate major league player than than a guy like Martinez or Featherston, uh, so it definitely seemed like the Rays had that priority. However, it was always going to come down to you know what what price. If if any team was kind of you know competing with the Rays in that regard, we mentioned Baltimore. They with JJ Hardy kind of on the DL. I actually kind of figured the Rays were sort of the uh, the team that's maybe just checking in just to make Baltimore pay a little bit more. Um, yeah, if the if the rumors were even to be believed, the Marlins have a very leaky front office, and we know that the rumors weren't coming from Tampa Bay. And you were seeing the Rays thrown in there alongside the Cardinals and the Orioles. And in both situations, it sounded like, oh yeah, and just throw Tampa Bay out there as as someone who could be interested in this glove first guy. Uh, it seemed like a distraction from from the overall rumors, but they came true. The Orioles are using uh, a player off the Yankee scrap heap to man shortstop for them, which, you know, the AL East is difficult and competence within the division is important. But, you know, it, it, did, 
it didn't feel like a, a good answer. And maybe they just believe in the long-term health of J.J. Hardy, and they said, we don't, we don't actually need this. And then the Cardinals, they just released Johnny Peralta. And you have to believe that they would be, as another forward-leaning front office, one that would be interested in his defense. But throughout the day, kind of as you were hinting, uh, we got more and more confirmation that, like, no, Tampa Bay's really in this thing. And we had to start considering, okay, so why? Because the shortstop situation uh, is pretty stacked. And, and that conversation starts with Tim Beckham. Because Tim Beckham came out of nowhere, essentially, truly nowhere, because as we've discussed in prior episodes, uh, he was not called up in September after his midseason demotion last year, uh, presumably because of behavioral issues and them saying he's not acting like a major leaguer or whatever. Uh, he gets thrust into this role and he starts playing like a major leaguer. And then after him, as you said, Featherston, Martinez, there's been this rolling, uh, uh, contributing, uh, I don't want to call them replacement level because Daniel Robertson's defense is better than replacement level, but they're just fill-ins because we've been waiting for Matt Duffy. And so who is the shortstop? Well, I think right now it's, it's Echeverria. I think that's pretty pretty clear that um, when you get a guy of, of uh, Hechevria's caliber uh, at the glove, I think that's uh, that's who you want to plug right in. And then what it does um, is it, it it moves people around. It kind of bumps everybody down a rung, which is which is exactly what teams that are competing have to always look to do. Uh, you have to always look to see if you can improve just a little bit. Uh, and the Rays recently, last week, we sort of mentioned how they're sort of in their almost trade deadline uh, moves, but now, and that's sort of what they're doing. You know, they got Wilson Ramos back. Uh, he kind of is your upgrade over Derek Norris as a, as a better defender than Derek Norris. Again, if, mm-hmm. if his and Derek uh, ACL Norris, injury who is healthy. free agency and is now gone. Correct. Yeah. I, I think uh, he, he, he played, I think better than his numbers would suggest. However, uh, Wilson Ramos was always, he, he always had this job kind of locked up. This was, you know, he, mm-hmm. he was the big guy. He came back a little bit earlier than I was actually expecting. Um, but it's exciting to have him back. So that's a big boost. You upgrade there. You move Tim Beckham to second. And you move Daniel Robertson to utility and the bench. And you move Taylor Featherston to Durham. That just upgrades multiple positions at once. So the Rays are definitely looking at, at, at like a really nice, you know, again, small move. But it, it boosts everything. If you were playing... And, and okay with Tim Beckham uh, being a good, not great defensive shortstop. He's Beckham is a solid uh, major league shortstop. He can play there. Daniel Robertson, probably not as good. Uh, he doesn't really have the, the numbers or the eye test. Isn't quite as good as Tim Beckham there. Um, but, a, but a very, very capable defensive second baseman for sure. You're just basically moving everybody down one rung. And that's, that's exactly what you should be doing if you are right in the middle of uh, of a playoff race, or if you actually see this team as a playoff contender, which I do think the front office absolutely thinks. You know, uh, I would also add that Daniel Robertson, I actually might even feel better as a second baseman. It's I've been very impressed how natural Beckham has looked at shortstop and how natural Robertson has looked at second. For players that are filling in an unexpected role, when that was supposed to be Matt Duffy and Brad Miller, who we have yet to introduce to this conversation, mm-hmm. uh, these guys have, have stepped up fairly well. 
they are very athletic, raise-capable defenders. And the Rays have been comfortable rolling with them for three months. So it's not like we're saying these players are not up to the standards. But when the Rays are close to contention, there was an opportunity for them to acquire, as you were saying, a gold glove caliber. Uh, He was a finalist. Uh, uh, I think Simmons ended up winning in the National League in 2015. But Always hard uh, to beat that guy. (laughs) (laughs) The best defender, infield defender in baseball, you should say. Uh, Correct, yeah. But it was on the short list. Uh, Heim Bloom, part of the Cerberus at the head of the Rays, uh, jumped on the phone uh, with the press corps this evening. I had an opportunity to be on that. And he was talking about Tim Beckham having a long-term future with the Rays and potentially having a long-term future at second base with the Rays as things shake out over time. Uh, He was pretty much saying Tim Beckham has been great. He described him as a gamer. He said he has every intention of winning, and that's the way they see his character defined this season. And he will, you know, understand what this move means. And he thinks that Beckham will continue to get the starting reps if we consider Brad Miller injured right now. Uh, Beckham looks most likely to be getting the second base starting reps over time. I'm reading between the lines a little bit. Uh, But there is a long-term future with the Rays for Tim Beckham. And this was kind of always his future. I mean, it was really nice that he, for him personally to be able to start the season and start well as an everyday shortstop. But if Matt Duffy doesn't have a calcium deposit stuck in his right heel, mm-hmm. Tim Beckham potentially starts the season on the bench and never gets any uh, starting opportunities. So you can almost look at this as almost a uh, Logan Forsythe type of scenario yeah uh for tim beckham i mean logan forsyth that was basically i wouldn't say it was nick franklin's job but he had the i think the inside track nick franklin gets hurt logan forsyth gets all the reps and suddenly logan forsyth becomes a one of the better shorts or second baseman in in baseball a really really strong you know kind of the rays tend to find these guys that are undervalued by other teams they give them an opportunity and they become uh really successful major leaguers, they were able to turn him into a heck of a pitching prospect in Jose De Leon. This is a similar situation. If Tim Beckham, uh, if, if Matt Duffy's not hurt, Tim Beckham, like you said, he's probably on the bench. He's maybe playing the utility role. Uh, Brad Miller is definitely at second. Daniel Robertson's maybe in the mix. Maybe Daniel Robertson beats out Tim Beckham. Maybe Tim, uh, you know, there's one other big thing that, that we do have to mention. We talked about Tim Beckham and we, we have a, he had a very uncertain future with us at that time, early on. You can go back. It's one of our first episodes uh, where of the season where we were basically saying how, you know, who knows if this is a, if, he, if Tim Beckham has a future. You know, we have Daniel Robertson. We have Brad Miller. We have Matt Duffy. We have guys coming up. Uh, yeah. We haven't talked about Willie Adamas yet. The middle infield seems ex- stacked. Exactly. Exactly. So, so what did Tim Beckham, who, who is – by the way, arbitration eligible eligible next year, which means he is still under a lot of control with the Rays. This this he absolutely does have a future if the Rays want him. And this season was a huge make or break year for Tim Beckham, and he absolutely took charge. And I think a good we we mentioned how Ricky Weeks sort of helped take him under his wing. Uh, he definitely just Tim Beckham looks like a player that we kind of hoped he could be. 
He's looking like all of the quality uh, appearances he had last year without any of the kind of mistakes where you just sort of slap your head and, and mm-hmm. kind of uh, immaturity. He, he just looks so much more mature now. He, and this is going to be another big test. How does he handle, uh, you know, this is, he's losing his job in a way. Um, but that's, well, that's and his job that's was also kind of moving away from him uh, through injury. And that's one of the very frustrating things over the last week watching Beckham. He had tweaked his knee. Uh, there was a question of maybe it was ligament damage, maybe it wasn't. And then he also took a hit-by-pitch to the hand. And between those two things, you know, maybe he's not getting to every ball that he should. And I could totally see Tampa Bay wondering, do we need to do something about this if we're not comfortable starting Daniel Robertson, say, at short, and Tyler Featherston? Trevor, Trevor Featherston? Taylor. Is it ta- okay. Taylor Featherston. <laughs> You never know which, uh, which, all right, anyway, sorry. That was a joke from last time. Uh, the point is, uh, that that's not your starting option. The, the preference as much as we appreciate the competence of Featherston, uh, he's not the intended starter. We are driving this point home, but I just want to be very clear. Tim Beckham, good, slightly injured at the moment. Echeverria, very, very, very good. And we are pumped to have him. And I think one of the things you talked about was, well, it really depends on the cost. When we were processing these rumors this week, uh, the ones that weren't to be believed, and all of a sudden it was happening. And I'm pretty impressed at the cost of a gold glove caliber shortstop being kind of nothing. With all due respect (laughs) to to Braxton Lee, uh, who who has incredible uh, KK rumored statistical kind of uh, uh, defensive metrics in double A right now. Uh, but the the outfield roster was kind of stacked, and he was not something very difficult for the Rays to give away. Absolutely. this I think Braxton Lee is a nice get for the Marlins, who are shedding payroll, and it's weird that the Rays are on the other end of a payroll shred. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that just shows, again, what, that the Rays really are competing this year. Um, Braxton Lee is mm-hmm. interesting. He's a he's an exciting player because he is a defensive whiz. Offensively, he doesn't really provide a lot. Um, but you know what? He he gets on base and he can run down baseballs in center. That's huge. Now, what that means is the Rays have that in Kevin Kiermaier, and they have him locked up. When with Kevin Kiermaier down, we also have Malik Smith, who can also do that. I think with before the Malik Smith acquisition. I think Braxton Lee had a had a brighter future with the Rays. With Malik's, I think that really did does push him down. The corner I mean, outfield, yeah, yeah. You have you have guys uh, ready to go that are higher than him. It's one of those. It's the perfect trade piece because he's a good player, but he's going to be Rule Five eligible next year. Mm-hmm. You, the Rays, really. I don't think we're going to be able to afford to put him on the forty man with so many talented people they have to add. This is a great time to say let's let's take a, a guy that we like who's good. Uh, this guy isn't uh, isn't you know just some random throw. And this is a this is a guy that I think the Marlins you know maybe maybe said yeah that guy I want him. Um, but it's a it's a great way to consolidate that talent into something closer uh, to the major leagues where the Marlins are looking for something different. It's a it, they matched up really well in this trade I think. Yeah, and they they also got. A uh, right-handed pitcher in A ball named Ethan Clark, who is 22 
and he's not yet in high A, which kind of means he's he's not young for his level. So it's, uh, you know, that's more of a throw in. I think that's that he makes it he, feel more like a throw in just because he's an older prospect in A ball. Yeah. Uh, he's a huge guy. Uh, Six, he five. was his Six, league's five, yeah. pitcher of the week. Uh, I think uh, there's a projectability to him. Uh, maybe not as a starter, but it, I don't think it was nothing. And as the Rays always like to say, uh, you have to give something to get something. And so I do think they gave up an incredible defender in Braxton Lee and a, you know, a competent pitcher in Ethan Clark. And but these are neither of these were top thirty prospect list guys. Neither of these were ones that uh, you kind of look at and you go, oh, yeah, man, I've been following Genesis, Genesis Cabrera throughout the system, and that really hurts to give away. No, Genesis Cabrera just got promoted to double A, by the way, and it killed his debut. Uh, and I was worried that that was the kind of pitcher that the Marlins were going to be targeting. Or perhaps uh, one of the flamethrower guys, because they seem to have a type, uh, similar to how the Rockies have been acquiring as many hundred mile per hour arms as they can get, for instance. Uh, and the Rays had to send German Marquez to them in the Jake McGee trade to get back Kevin Pavlo and Corey Dickerson. But to hone this back in, I thought the Marlins were going to say, okay, give us Ryan Stanek. Give us and- Diego Castillo. I thought it was going to be a painful pitcher to give away. And uh, with all due respect to Ethan Clark, an A-ball pitcher that was not a triple-digit kind of guy, uh, seems kind of okay. I was expecting even, you know, I thought I thought Stanek, that was rumored out there, I think that would have been too much to give um, for me. I, I like Echeverria, um, but I think Stanek, there's still a little bit more life there, and I think teams will pay a little bit more for a 100-mile-an-hour arm, even if he doesn't work out for us. I was actually expecting a guy like uh, Travis Ott to be maybe uh, the throw-in, and I think that would have hurt a little, I think Braxton mm-hmm. Lee and Travis Ott would have been a you know a fair deal, um, but you know it would it would it would hurt a little bit. Uh, I think I'd still and, take that, but but no, but this that's is a, what makes a deal feel right. Correct. I feel like for a fair deal, it needs to it needs to sting just a little bit, and this trade doesn't sting. No, it doesn't, and that's I think a really really cool thing about it. I, I think the the upside is tremendous. The downside is practically non-existent. Um, I mean, here's the thing. Echeverria is known as a, a very good glove shortstop, like we've mentioned. As a bat, he doesn't really have a lot of value. Um, however, however, his his bat has he he's hits for pretty good average usually. He does not walk, um, but he also doesn't really strike out a ton either. He's a very if you look at the traditional statistics, he's kind of a very like. That's a that's a ball player from like the late '80s, early '90s, right there. Just uh, slaps singles and plays good defensive shortstop. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that he does seem that he he is prototypical in that way. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's a very standard um, kind of look, uh, and that's fine. That is that is fine. It, you don't need to have. You can have offensive black holes at shortstop or at catcher. Hechevarria isn't a black hole. He's He's certainly better than Michael Martinez is at, at hitting. Uh, and I would say going forward, I would expect him to be a little bit better than Taylor Featherston, even though Featherston has hit well while while up. I think Hedgeberry has a little bit better um, background, at least, to, to expect a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But this is a great deal because the Rays aren't looking for him to say, we need to fix our... 
he's not coming in to fix a problem. He's coming in here to basically improve uh, just a bit. Tim Beckham has been a solid, solid defensive shortstop. But with that injury, with, you know, just being solid, you can maybe get a little bit of an upgrade. And you maybe get a bit of an upgrade at second base. Get Tim Beckham used to potentially a, a future role there. This yeah, is the not... Ring, the Rays oh, keep ahead. tabs on everyone. Uh, you know, they're, they, they're keeping tabs on all the other team situations. You're always looking for a trade. But I don't think the Rays were looking for this. You know, uh, Bloom, when he was talking about it, he said this was a unique opportunity that was presented to us, basically, uh, to, to acquire Echeverria. So I don't think they were necessarily calling the Marlins on a weekly basis, blah, blah, blah. Now, I do think this was uh, some time in the making. I think some of the rumors might have come about because Ray scouts were following Echeverria on his uh, rehab as he's been coming back from injury. And also that injury might involve why this trade didn't hurt as much because we're talking about a player who's not had a lot of reps in 2017 just yet. Uh, He did play enough to rack up more than 50 plate appearances. So it's not like he missed spring training or something like that, which Matt Duffy did. If Matt Duffy's uh, stitches were pulled out of his heel uh, tomorrow, he has not gone through spring training. He has not had his ramp up into you know, full season ball. And that's a very important thing to consider. Matt Duffy can't just jump into the game. It takes uh, a ramp up. It's a reason why spring training is several weeks long. And Echeverria uh, had an oblique strain, but he's bounced back from it. He's actually going to be traveling with the Rays to Pittsburgh this week. And they plan to activate him fairly soon. Yeah, no, I think this is... You know, he, he's a guy that I think they're going to be looking to, to come in pretty quickly and, and do what he does best. Uh, but I think it's yeah, always nice uh, to have a deal where you're not looking at, you're not looking, he's not, they're not trying to have something more than what he is. If, if Echeverria just does him, that's exactly what the Rays are going to want. And uh, mm-hmm. that's nice to have kind of fall in your lap. It kind of reminds me of Colby Rasmus. you got a gold glove, exactly, yeah. caliber defender. Coming off an injury now, Echeverria's injury is way less of a concern. Uh, Rasmus is actually back on the deal. We could mention that. Um, but you've got a quality, quality glove that kind of fell into the Rays' lap as the Marlins were looking to shed payroll. Well, and we should detail what that payroll is. It's probably two, two and a half million uh, that they have to pay of his salary this year. And then his final year of arbitration is next year. If you put that together, maybe if the Rays keep him the whole time, he's an eight to nine million dollar uh, infielder. That is fairly expensive for the Rays to shell out. We should, you know, be forthright about that. But as a contending team needs to do, this is the kind of upgrade you have to be comfortable making. And he is the starting shortstop. I think that's where I really want to be clear. I can't imagine a situation where he's not getting five out of seven games at shortstop. Oh, not at all. Not, not until I think when Duffy, if Duffy gets back, I think then you have a a question and I'm sure we'll talk about it here uh, on the cast. But until that point, there's no, there's no doubt he is, he's got the job and uh, we'll see how he does. You mentioned the money. This is again, one of those things that, that comes up occasionally from time to time. 
especially in the off season with the Rays, you know, not, you know, we, we don't compete for a lot of free agents. Um, we try to, to compete for some of the lower level, maybe guys that aren't as, uh, you know, the top tier guys, but now a lot of teams are very analytical. And so suddenly you can't be the smart team when everybody else is just looking at the traditional stats and you're looking at something else. Everybody's looking at the same stuff. So you're having to compete with every team for all mm-hmm. of these guys. You do get a lot of folks, uh, a lot of fans that are frustrated with the team because of they they don't spend the money, frustrated with with the owner Stu Sternberg, and I hear a lot, and it and it kind of annoys me because I just I don't see it, so I I don't understand how other people see it, but you do get the the th- you know thrown around that Stu Sternberg doesn't really care about this team, doesn't really he you know it's just playing, he's just you know letting letting the chips fall where they may, wins and losses don't really matter. I don't know how people have come to that conclusion. I don't know how seeing any interview with with uh, Stu Sternberg, seeing him being interviewed at the games when he basically will drop whatever he's doing and start calling the game when something happens. <laughs> yeah. He he like this guy loves what he's doing, and and much like a, a, all of the kind of Wall Street guys that kind of got into baseball, you know, around the whole Moneyball era, they could be making a lot more money doing something else. But they're doing this because this is really fun. You get to be a kid. You get to play, you know, with these baseball players. You get to create a team. You get to root for them. You get to follow them. That you get to do something that, you know, people dream about. And and that's what I see with Sternberg. And I, and I see that in a move like this where you don't need to do this. If he didn't care, if he didn't actually want to uh, win, if he didn't think that we could maybe win, you don't make this trade. It's it's easy not to make this trade. It's easy to just say, you know what, have to pay an extra two million, two and a half million, maybe even more next year. Eh, we're fine. Tim Beckham's fine. Nobody's going to really fault you for leaving Tim Beckham and Daniel Robertson in there. But this is a move you don't need to make. But if you're a contending team, you got to try to look for those upgrades, especially when one can be had for so cheap in terms mm-hmm. of assets. And that's what shows me. This is what I look to, and I think this is a, an owner that cares. A lot, because if you look across the way, if you look at a guy like Jeffrey Loria, he's Hmm. spent money in weird ways, but they've all been you can kind of see what's going on. It's not to win. It's to it's to build a team that can that he can get a new stadium out of it's and then sell it all off. It's to maybe have a small spike and then use that goodwill and then burn through that for money. You look across just Florida and those two owners, how they've managed. I don't know how you can look at Sue Sternberg and say that guy doesn't care because he he consistently does moves like this with the very limited payroll we have, with the very limited resources that we have. And he consistently puts out a team that competes, that can that can compete in the future, that doesn't mortgage the future for for cheap thrills and short term gains. But we'll do stuff like adding a few million here. He'll add a guy like Rafael Soriano way more than you would imagine when the time is right. And Hechevarria not looking out to get a, a $3 million glove-only shortstop. But when it happens, you take that chance. So that's my, my mini rant. But that's the type of move that makes me feel more excited about watching this team and rooting for this team because I know they're trying. They're actually competing. They're not just going through the motions. Yeah, it would have been really easy and simple to say, we've collected a lot of great pieces. Look, we have Featherston here. It's not like we're not paying attention. 
this team is good enough. Look at where we are in the standings, and let's just see how the chips fall. And this is an aggressive move, and not one that we're accustomed to the Rays making over the last couple seasons, but that's where your Soriano example is adept, because that was a competitive team that the Rays were tagging a phenomenal closer on when this unique opportunity fell into their laps, where you had a random team, this case the Braves, who were in a tight spot and they needed to remove uh, a top flight player for you know whatever the reason is. I can't pretend to know the reasons why the Marlins are, are bailing on salary. And this was an interesting trade, uh, speaking of adding a reliever, uh, where it seemed like a reliever might actually get added to this deal. Uh, the the late the late breaking Twitter rumors were the Rays are also getting uh, one of the Marlins' great relievers. And there's a list of eight names you can go through uh, of guys that have multiple options remaining, but are also high leverage arms. Their bullpen is not their problem, and they've had a great time at that this year. Uh, Barraclaw. Ramos, uh, Brad Ziegler, they signed a big money to be their closer, so they had the depth to make that move. And, I mean, when it was all said and done, there was no reliever. And one of the things Bloom said this evening was, uh, with the bullpen uh, specifically, we need to take things move by move. And and using those exact words to make sure they're doing the right things at the right time. So the Rays weren't going to rush into the bullpen aspect of this deal. But they are... It seems like, if you read between those lines, they are actively looking to improve the bullpen. Who would w- The bullpen would be the sore spot for most people who watch the team on a regular basis. But I can't imagine that it's the people who watch this team on a regular basis that would have anything negative to stay, say about Stu here. And not just his demeanor in interviews or something like that. Honestly, just the product on the field. It would be easy to mail it in. The last two seasons were not great seasons for the Rays. But it wasn't because they were not trying or not signing players to big contracts. James Loney didn't work out, uh, sure. But that was you know, an aggressive, risky move that the Rays made because they thought they could be competitive. So the, the fingerprints of Sternberg are, and his uh, ownership crew, we should say, uh, his, his team of investors, are all over this franchise of people who, even when they're not breaking even, on this team are still trying to keep the team competent and competitive and not bottom out. Uh, they have not pulled the Cubs or Braves or an Astros. They mm-hmm. have not, you know, mortgaged everything on the last day of the year. When we begged them to just lose the last day, game of the year, they <laughs> won anyway. And I know we put that blame on Alexi Ramirez, but let's be honest. It's because the team is still going to compete in every scenario. And, that tone at the top, that carries all the way through the organization. It's the same reason Kiermaier is legging out uh, a, a bang-bang play at first place, uh, first base, even though uh, the Rays are up by six runs or whatever it was. It's because the ethos of this team is you never stop legging it out. And that starts with the ownership group, and it makes its way all the way through the minors. Uh, yeah. Etiveria, Welcome. Yeah, this is a this is an exciting move for for you know it's hard to get you know I feel like most people don't get excited for glove for shortstops but uh, the the Rays Twitter account um, put out a nice little uh, highlight um, film of 
Echeverria's really, really good game against the Rays earlier this season where he had uh, three hits and some real slick defensive plays. So go uh, go ahead and watch that 30-second clip and, uh, and, and get excited because, you know, shortstop defense, that, that can really help turn some, some, you know, maybe rough pitching performances or those rough bullpen performances and suddenly save them. Uh, that's what good defense does. And the Rays are upgrading in that in that form. So yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting times and we're getting, you know, we're getting that, those pieces ready for that, uh, that stretch run before the all-star break. Mm-hmm. We just got uh, what, one or two weeks left until that. And then, correct, yeah. Uh, which means one or two weeks left to vote Corey Dickerson, by the way. Uh, no, I think it's one week. I think they're cutting that off soon. One week. I mean, Corey Dickerson closing in on being this, the top DH. Who saw this coming? This this is an exciting this is an exciting race. Move over uh, the American election. Move over Brexit. This is the uh, this is what all the news channels should be following. Is the plucky underdog uh, man of the people, uh, Corey Dickerson, closing in on? I mean, what, the, you uh, know, one thing we need to do <laughs> is we need to start getting some collusion with all the non-Seattle Mariners fan bases. Exactly. Exactly. I'm sure Texas, they're got to be bitter about Nelson Cruz, right? Uh, Doing that against them now. Just be like, you know, he used to be for you, but you know what? Leave that behind. Colorado, you know, you love German Marquez and Jake McGee, right? Vote, vote Corey. Uh, Yeah, make this trade come full circle. Make it great for everyone. Yeah, make it, make it. Well, I guess, I don't know. Would you make the all-star game great again? Oh, boy. Yep. Uh, so yeah, so definitely vote for that. I will shamelessly plug that any chance I get because man, oh man, does Dickerson deserve it. He, every day he does something new and exciting. So, uh, I want to see him at the game. That's, that should be awesome. And, uh, also while you're at it, vote Logan Morrison too, because my God, he is so good this year and it's just Hold on, time out, time out. I want to capture that clip. I want to rewind to... August of 2016, <laughs> Darby, and just play that for you. Yes, yes. I mean, I believe what I, I said I, was I was uh, in the Gettysburg Visitor Center, and that I was broken by the news of Logan Morrison <laughs> signing, and that, and I, and I went beyond that because I also said I was really upset because Chris Carter soon after signed with the Yankees. Chris Carter yeah, so, is out there. If we want to go get him, <laughs> I know. So, wants him, he's Adam out. was posting this. Uh, Adam Sanford, uh, Mister, posts something new on the site every day. He's just a beast. He's always cranking out something. Uh, he was kind of looking at the stats and he was like, "Hey, you know, uh, one of these players has more than twenty home runs and is considered an all-star game contender, and the other one was recently designated for assignment and released." Logan Morrison and Chris Carter. Which one did you expect that to be in the offseason? I think it goes to show you that sometimes, uh, oftentimes, most of the time, probably should trust the the team that usually gets it right and not um, me who... I don't know. I'm just just throwing darts at the wall. I'm trying to sound smart, but look at that. But yeah, Logan Morrison. Morrison on the couch and drinking beer. Yep, that's, that's that's what we do. Uh, yeah, I mean, Logan Morrison, I think that took everybody by surprise, but I, you know, it's, we were looking at, uh, like Chad Matola as a guy to potentially change away, you know, change the Rays offense. 
get you know Col- Colby Rasmus had one of his best years with Chad Matola, the new new hitting instructor for the Rays. Mm-hmm. Logan Morrison, maybe you have to look at him as maybe uh, a guy that that really kind of bought in and uh, has had that boost. I mean, you usually don't see guys that have breakthrough uh, seasons, career years. Yeah, age what twenty nine. Uh, and this is going to be his most home runs ever. And it's June. <laughs> Logan Morrison. Uh, is phenomenal. Lomo is the best. Apparently. And on defense, I think you can feel good about it, too. Logan Morrison at first base. Evan Longoria at third. Uh, Adeni Echeverria at shortstop. Uh, most games. That was an interesting quip from Bloom when he was talking about it. He did say that Echeverria would be at short most games, uh, which makes me wonder if uh, he'll have a little bit of utility action as well. And then at second base, uh, something like Daniel Robertson, Tim Beckham, and Brad Miller when he returns from injury, uh, Matt Duffy when he returns from injury, and, you know, who knows if uh, September call-ups when the Durham season is over, if we could even see Willie Adamas uh, uh, maybe subbing at second or any of them playing short as well. It's... uh, it's an advantageous position to be in to, uh, and it'll be interesting to see what they do with Miller, uh, where his reps are, what he does. But right now he's still super hurt. Rasmus also super hurt. You mentioned his, uh, defense going Okay. He has a bit of a hip tendonitis. They're calling it. It was something that flared up in spring training and it was a consequence of the hip surgery that he received. But I just want to point out, that one of the fascinating things about Rasmus, and we touched on this based on his interview with Neil Solons, uh, was that he was playing through vertigo and a bleeding ear and not telling the trainers and a hip problem. And you had a $14 million player not telling the trainers that he had blood pouring out of his head and just stuffing a cotton ball in instead. By all the accounts in the media, Rasmus kind of raised his hand and said, hey, you know what? My hip's kind of acting up. Can we take a look at this? What a change of character. (laughs) I am pumped because you want Rasmus to stick around all year. And, you know, a quick little 10-day rest on the DL is nothing compared to losing a gold glove caliber defender for the rest of the year because he decided to play through hip tendonitis or... Uh, whatever that might actually be. So, uh, But Rasmus and Miller still out. Uh, Wilson Ramos, how amazing it is that we could be something like 45 minutes into a podcast. On the weekend, Wilson Ramos debuted, and we have not talked about the Buffalo. We did not talk about the Buffalo. You know, it's it, who would have thunk it that a Danny Hechevaria would be the guy. If you went into the preseason, and huh. we would We're be talking that game about... Too much. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, Ramos Echeveria, was exactly... Logan Morrison all beat out Ram, uh, Ramos for for uh, excitement right now. But yeah, Wilson, he's back. He, you know, he's catching that. You know, I think he was catching nine innings uh, in Durham mm-hmm. before he came up. That's really really exciting. He started his first game at DH, but he was actually catching a lot of innings, looking solid behind the plate. Uh, really, you know, not a long time if you really think about it. Months after uh, having a pretty brutal, um, brutal injury, and mm-hmm. terrible ACL injury, and yeah, ACLs important to uh, walking in humans, let alone 
uh, squatting and catching nine innings. That's yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, welcome back, Wilson Ramos. It's just it's just good to see him out on the field. He's another guy that just seems to 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 love to play baseball and it, and judging from his um his various social medias of him working out, that was basically his posts all off season was just him working out, <laughs> him working out like crazy, him looking like a beast. Uh, so you knew he was ready. He's been wanting to be out there for so long. And I mean, it's it's so impressive that the Rays clearly valued his defense more than Derek Norris because Derek Norris had the the reputation that you expected a small market team to value, and the Rays kept Jesus Sucre. And then, really, you know, from the tone everybody was using, they trusted Ramos to step up and be something more. This is, you know, it, it's interesting. I think I think Derek Norris was an awesome get for the Rays. Derek Norris and Wilson Ramos were both guys that I don't think the Rays were really uh, targeting necessarily. I think they they both kind of, again, like this move, sort of fell into their lap. You keep your options open, you keep your ears open, and then suddenly, you know, Derek Norris, when uh, Matt Wieters goes to the, the Nats, they, they cut Derek Norris. Suddenly, hey, pretty solid bounce back candidate just sitting there. You get to pick him up. And mm-hmm. certainly has helped. You, you trade for Hazo Sucre, um, backup catcher for the Mariners, who's been tremendous, uh, really good defensive catcher, uh, yeah. even showing some stuff with some real interesting clutch hitting, um, which, you know, you maybe don't expect to continue. But, hey, as long as that uh, let the good times roll there, this is uh, this has really made the time without Wilson Ramos go by so fast, mm-hmm. I think, because, because we haven't been really... I mean, it's it's been a slog at at catcher uh, for many years now. We've had some brief brief excitement, you know. Kurt Casale's exciting couple months uh, two years ago. Uh, Deion Navarro back in two thousand eight. There there has been you know the the excitement of uh, defensive Jose Molina and his very interesting style of play. This has been a very tough position this year. We have we had discussions about which catcher we should cut and and really debating whether or not we should which one we should drop and and what we would lose that we haven't had that in a while we've had we could cut mm-hmm. them all and, and basically not really miss out on anything so these are good problems to have it really is uh you know i think the thing that's really gonna make ramos rise above because uh and i think if you go back to last year the, from a framing perspective norris was favored uh, in terms of his glove and, and stealing strikes uh, from pitches that would be balls. Uh, I think if you were to isolate just that concept, Norris is the better framer than than Ramos as a starter. But I think the, the one of the biggest issues for me watching Norris was that anybody could run on him. It, it, you never felt like Norris was scaring people from running. No. And that's that's something you you, I mean, you really have to glean from watching game to game to game. But there's something to be said about a comfort level that a team has and a player doing something. Tim Beckham is a quality major leaguer at shortstop, a good enough uh, for the Rays. You know, that whole idea, good enough for the Rays, Tim Beckham. However, I don't think there was ever a point where the Rays were like, yeah, you know what? We just have so much confidence in Tim Beckham. Uh, you know, we're not worried about anything. 
where Matt Duffy was the kind of player who was able to instill that last year after his acquisition. Uh, I don't know if there was a point where the Rays were like, yeah, you know, we're just really, really comfortable with Derek Norris. He just kind of assuages all of our concerns. There's not a doubt in our mind. Uh, I think that, you know, it's possible the Rays lost a bunch of runs on the the base pass just in this half season uh, because Norris happened to be the starting catcher. And that's not a complete knock on Norris. But look, now he's without a job. And I do think that Ramos's arm is very impressive, and I'm very excited about him limiting some of these alias teams from running on the race. Yeah, you get a guy like Wilson. I mean, we'll see how much he can do it uh, at catcher this year, but Wilson Ramos is, in every sort of sense of the world, uh, a tremendous defensive catcher. Yeah, the the framing might not be the best, but he he, he can block and he can he can really command the running game. So those those definitely add an interesting element. Uh, mm-hmm. I think going into the season, when when Jesus Sucre seemed to sort of take command of his job uh, and, and sort of push Kirk Casale to the minors, I think that should have been a sign that potentially a guy like Derek Norris was really just filling in the offensive catcher position until mm-hmm. Wilson Ramos was ready. Because I think the Rays, in all sort of honesty are starting to value, they've always sort of valued defense, but it seems like they've definitely made that an important factor is let's, let's go after, let's go after uh, guys that can really defend and maybe put that over the, if there's, you know, if there's similarities, if, if the difference in offense isn't enough, give me the guy with the better glove. And so that seems like what the Rays have been doing right now. Yeah, I, I think that Norris edges Ramos in the framing, but Ramos uh, wins in the arm. And also, I'd like to add in there, uh, I think Ramos is probably a better blocker as well. Just pitches in the dirt. Um, not that Norris was bad, but Ramos is better. And and I would agree with you, it is so impressive that Jesus Sucre is still surviving on this Razor roster. Uh, the pitching staff loves him, loves throwing to him. And I think that was enough, uh, particularly when he didn't have any options uh, on his contract. So to to get rid of Sucre means another team is going to pick him up, particularly uh, when he's proved to be a Rays caliber catcher. I think uh, I don't think the Rays would have been able to keep him, but I don't think the clubhouse was ready to get rid of him. Uh, but speaking of base running and limiting the base running game, uh, I did want to conclude today talking about something that you wrote. It was a fantastic uh, yeah. article. Yeah, just it was it was more of a, a, a it was a bit of a ramble, a little jaunt. Um, but the I, I was on uh, fan graphs, and mm-hmm. as I often am, and uh, the Rays lead in a very interesting category in uh, the stat uh, stat called base uh, base running, which is yeah, or BSR. BSR. Yeah, it's. Basically calculated between uh, a simple add-up between weighted uh, stolen base runs, ultimate base running, and weighted grounded into double play runs. Basically, okay, if you so explain all three of those things. Yeah, so so basically, if you um, in a lot of ways, basically weighted stolen base runs is just a different way of looking at uh, if you run, don't get caught, running in good positions, um, that sort of thing. It adds a number to that. But ultimate base running, which I think is even more interesting, is basically takes 
steals out of the the equation and looks at did you take an extra base did you not did you fail to take an extra base when you could did you try to take an extra base in a bad position and get thrown out uh, and kind of add those things in. These are very overly simplistic, but uh, if you want to look more deeply, check out Fangraphs for all those. But that's basically what ultimate base running is, is how well do you run the bases besides the simple steal, caught steal, that type of thing. And then weighted mm-hmm. running into double play runs is another way of putting a number on teams, how, how many teams are able to avoid or how teams avoid basically doubling up uh, or, or giving up outs via the double play. Mm-hmm. All of that said, uh, basically the Rays are one of the best teams in all of baseball at base running, the stat that combines those three categories. What that basically so, means... Yeah, why? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> no, <laughs> the, I the mean, big why. So, <laughs> go ahead, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a simple question. Because yeah, if you so, watch this team, it doesn't feel like they're stealing bases all the time. Malik Smith was exciting to add to the Rays roster. You know, Kevin Kiermaier, be well, come back soon. But Malik Smith was uh, fascinating and exciting because they moved Corey Dickerson down to put Malik Smith lead off for his speed and his and his stealing capability. Because we're all sitting here going, we don't steal bases. So how are we one of the best at base running? Yeah, so so basically, you think of in, in traditional terms the teams that are just terrors on the on the on the base paths. Uh, Malik Smith, stealing bases. You know, those are the guys we have. That's not really the case for the Rays. We Malik Smith has you know added an interesting element, but for the most part, the team doesn't really really make their make their hay by uh, by stealing bases. What they do, and, and looking at the uh, looking at the numbers. Basically, we're actually in the slight negative in weighted stolen base runs, negative point zero three or zero point three. So pretty much right around even uh, there. So it's not really helping or hurting the team. However, where the Rays are really, really doing well is in ultimate base running. This team is able to, and this is something you can kind of just watch when you're watching the Rays, Notice how many people are taking extra bases. Corey Dickerson, Logan Morrison, uh, Evan Longoria, and and you know who's who's on the other side of thirty, but he's still he'll, he's still taking maybe going for first to third. These are uh, things the Rays are doing really, really, really well this year, and it's not just the speedsters. Um, Kevin Kiermaier still leads the team uh, in ultimate base running, but Corey Dickerson, Tim Beckham, who we've talked about, Logan Morrison, and Colby Rasmus are all kind of right on his heels there. And that's just showing this as a team, uh, everybody's contributing and being really smart on the bases. And maybe mm-hmm. part of that is not stealing because we don't have a lot of great st- stealer, you know, st- stolen base guys right now. There's no Carl Crawford uh, <laughs> coming out of that dugout. Uh, and then the other big thing, the other, actually the, the biggest element to that high number, uh, which is second in all of baseball in uh, this base running statistic the top though in all of the american league the next closest american league team is the texas rangers um but the rays have them by a a a good margin there so the big way that the rays are actually leading in this is through ultimate base running but mostly by avoiding the double play that the weighted grounded into double play runs that's where the rays are really kind of making uh kind of i guess pulling away from the pack 
Yeah, that. an oddly specific aspect to base running, but extremely important. Yeah, and and that might be um, because the Rays are such a true outcome, three true outcome team. They are they strike out a lot. Uh, we walk a lot, and we hit a lot of home runs. That's mm-hmm. that's most of the Rays' offense is is that. And that's, and that's it, and that's it. That's that's how you do it. Uh, occasionally, we'll throw in a bunt, and everybody will be really annoyed by that because we do hit home runs at such a high rate. Why give out outs? Those bunts could turn into home runs if you just swing the ball. Um, but yeah, the Rays, the the Rays are a three a true outcome team, and so one element of that, the uh, the strikeouts means you can't hit into a ground ball uh, double play if you don't hit a ground ball. If you don't make contact <laughs> and it goes right past your bat, guess what? You're only getting the one out. So in a way, strikeouts do add, uh, do, do kind of avoid basically hitting yourself into uh, inning ending or, or kind of rally killing uh, double plays, which I'm not saying that strikeouts are great. They are an out, which is the the bad thing you can do in baseball, but they're not the worst type of out. And as a team, it is possible that this is more of a focus um, in a way, not necessarily don't hit double plays because you can't really ask people to do that, but don't worry about striking out uh, swing. If you're Corey Dickerson, if you're Logan Morrison, look for your pitch, swing hard. You don't need to slap a single with one strike or, or two strikes you don't need to choke up. You know what? Maybe foul off pitches that are close, but if but look for that pitch that you can drive and try to drive it. And if you miss it and you strike out, oh well, that's an out. Uh, if you ground it out weakly, that's going to be an out 99% of the time. If you popped it up, it's going to be an out 99.9% of the time. Mm-hmm. So don't worry about the strikeout because it really isn't that worse of an out. For every time you, you hit a bloop, and it falls. Uh, that's maybe like once or twice a year for a player, and that's at that. Or an or an infield hit for a guy like Logan Morris, and that's maybe he gets one, maybe two a year. But at what point does that really not really valuable? And instead, swing for the fences and hit home runs and walk and yeah, maybe also strike out. But at the good side, you're not running into two outs with that swing. You're only going into one. Right. The Rays, as a consequence, uh, second most home runs in all of baseball. 121 they've hit so far. The Astros have three more than that, and that's the competition. Uh, the Rays have the second most triples as well. Uh, they have 19. The Reds have uh, 23, so uh, a few more. Uh, and Yet the Rays are the team that's only hitting like 250 as a club. <laughs> The, the the outcomes are definitely extreme. Uh, no one has more strikeouts by the Rays, uh, than the Rays by a good margin. They have almost 800 strikeouts on the year so far. The Brewers almost have 750. So the Rays are going to strike them out, and the Rays are going to strike out themselves. But I do love this wrinkle, as you pointed out. Uh, and this, this carried through from last season as well. Uh, in 2016, the Rays' strikeouts as a team jumped up, but also last year it was also true that the grounding into double plays went down. It's a correlating effect where if you strike out more, you're hitting into less double plays. And I don't know what's more frustrating overall, 
but I I would like to think that a strikeout is less frustrating because uh, that's not two outs; it's just one. And, and with baseball, for the longest time, it's why sacrifice bunts are down league wide with the ad, with the kind of proliferation of uh, advanced uh, statistics because it's the one part of the game that really has a finite resource. You have twenty seven outs; that's it. If you give up more than one. That's really bad. If you give up an out, that's a bad thing. So obviously, I would like the team to not strike out. They would, I would like them to hit more home runs than even they already have. But when it comes to outs, I do think you know maybe it's frustrating to see a guy swing and miss and not make contact. But for the most part, it, I think I'd rather, I'd definitely rather see that because, uh, as my uh, great mathematical mind would tell you. Uh, one out is indeed less than two outs. I, I will hey, have to uh, check that out. I will have to. I will have to run the numbers and crunch that. But maths. I will. I will. I'm pretty confident in that. In that regard, more confident oh, yeah. than my Logan Morrison uh, <laughs> projections. You know, uh, the Rays strike it a lot, but that's not their struggle. Uh, the Rays have been adding better defenders, but I wouldn't say that defense was the struggle. Uh, you could say that the bullpen was a struggle, and adding Echeverria and Ramos is an addition by subtraction. It's an addition by subtracting, uh, you know, extra hits by by having a more stingy defense, uh, by allowing fewer runs to score. Hopefully, having just an average bullpen is okay. Um, Brad Boxberger has yet to rejoin the team yet, even though he's returned to the team. So I don't know what to make of that. Uh, that's something we should throw in there as, as a news update. But uh, one of the things that has been hurting for the Rays, and we can conclude on this idea, is that uh, facing left-handed pitching has been a problem. And Neil Solons, the great Neil Solons, we should say, uh, was the one to point this out. But uh, we discussed last week that Ploof was added for his ability to be the new Ricky Weeks, to be that uh, guy to step in and uh, face lefties as a good right-handed bat. Wilson Ramos, an all-star level, a silver slugger from the right side of the plate. And then Echevarria, also a right-handed hitter. So we have reinforcements on defense, but we also have reinforcements on offense. And it's going to be interesting to see if the Rays' performance overall improves against the difficult lefties. We will see. But it's exciting times for the Rays. That's that's for sure. Yeah, man. Uh, I think Solans was also one who said uh, that Echeverria acquisition is all about messaging. And I think that gets back to what we've been talking about this whole time. The Rays seriously and truly believe that they have a playoff club on their hands. And it's really exciting. So why don't you take us home, Derby? All righty, guys. Well, thank, thanks for, again, listening to us uh, ramble. Get excited for uh, this closing in on second half of the season uh, by tuning in again to the Hit Show podcast. Subscribe to get all the latest episodes at iTunes. And uh, also, while you're there, uh, rate uh, and throw us a little comment. Uh, we love to, to see that. Um, also, if you need to, uh, to reach out to us, if you just want to reach out for us, if you want to just talk to us, uh, shoot us an email at draysbaypodcast at gmail.com uh, as well as uh, on Twitter at Hit Show Podcast. 
which side note, we definitely need to uh, start tweeting some more from there. We've been, <laughs> it's been, it's an awful dead. It's hard to, you know, how about this? I'll make an, I'll make a, a, a promise to everybody out there listening. You can, you don't have to uh, follow us at hit show podcast yet. When we start posting in, then you can follow us. Don't, don't reward this bad behavior of ours of not tweeting. Uh, wait till that. And then, then you hit us up. What uh, is dead can it, never die, my friend. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, also, uh, make sure you check out uh, DRaysBay.com for all sorts of uh, news. If you want to read my article about uh, base running, where I go into a little bit more detail on that, go ahead and check that out. But also, if you want to have some more info and various sources about the Hetcheveria trade or everything else, Rays baseball. Yeah, Nick Armstrong related. got mad at Tim Kirchin. You can read all about it. It's got always fun to have uh, writer writer beef. Writer beef is everybody's favorite type of beef. Uh, so, yeah, check all that out. Uh, DRaysBay.com. Oh, uh, and Blake jump- Snell's coming back. That is something we that we are going to be discussing next week. That's going to be fun <laughs> because Blake Snell uh, is on his way back. Hopefully, we'll be able to see his first uh, start and break it all down. The return of Snellzilla. So, make sure you check us all out, uh, and we will see you next time. On the Hit Show. Hit Show. The Hit Show is produced and engineered by Dustin Klingman. Make sure to check out all the newest and latest news about the Rays on DRaysBay.com. Check us out at DRaysBay on Twitter and, of course, DRaysBay on Facebook.